0: Good morning. That was pretty good. Let's do it again. Good morning. good morning. That was even better. It's so good to see you this morning as we come together for worship here at First Baptist Church. We are glad you're here. If you're a guest with us this morning, would you please take this blue card, which is right there in front of you in the pew rack, and fill that out. And later on in the service, when we have our time of offering, if you would... Uh, Give that back to us so we'll have a record of your visit. Uh, We'd like to get to know you better. On the back side of that card is a prayer request form. And if any of you have a prayer request, uh, I can assure you that in the morning when we gather for staff meeting, that we will take those cards and go through them one by one, and we'll pray for you. So uh, if you would do that, again, just put it in the offering plate. Later on uh, in the service. Uh, The uh, college students, you'll be having a D-Now weekend on the 25th and the 26th. And if you'll uh, look at the website or if you'll uh, get with uh, Alex Fisher or some of our leadership, we'll be glad to have you uh, for that special D-Now weekend. Our Pray, Give, Go this uh, month is the uh, Hope Center for Adoption, and uh, we, there's ways that you can pray, give, and go to that Hope Center, and so I I would ask that you consider that. Uh, Also, on October the 27th, uh, we'll be having uh, a Harvest Festival, that's two weeks from tonight, here at the church. Uh, Last year, we had about 700-800 people come through that, and uh, we're going to have a good time with blow-ups and games and candy and hot dogs and popcorn and all the good stuff. So uh, we would invite you to uh, spread the word about that. Also, our uh, new child, uh, children and young families director, Philip Reinke is here, but he's at children's worship today, so for him, I'm uh, asking that you would read uh, in Chronicles about upward basketball and see how you can be involved in that if you uh, would like to coach, if you'd like to be a prayer partner, if you'd like to be a referee, if you'd like to help with the food or in other ways. We would love to have you involved in that, and as our pastor talks, Uh, later on this morning about serving, that is a great place for you to be involved. So we would urge you to do that. Again, we are glad you're here this morning. And if you will now, before we begin our worship service, let's stand and greet one another in the name of the Lord.
1: To join our voices one on one with the whole group, we can see everybody, we can see Jesus on his throne, and we get to worship him face to face. Amen. 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 Until then, we get to practice. (laughs) We get to practice, but it's not really just totally practice because the Holy Spirit is here with us. We're two or more gathered in his name. There he is among us. So this morning, you are seeing to the Lord, you're seeing to each other, you're enforcing theology. Um, and you're, you're making a joyful noise to the Lord. Let's continue on this morning with Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I've proved Him or and or. Can anybody give witness to that today, that Christ has been faithful to you over and over and over so that you can trust Him? I know that I can. I know many of you can too. Let's continue on in worship because we have that trust in Him. We have a firm foundation, a solid foundation of which to build our lives upon. Uh, Logan's going to lead on this song. It's called Build My Life.
2: us the only one who could ever say worthy of every breath we could ever
1: That very truth there, Lord, that we can put our trust in you, that we can build our lives upon you. Lord, you are the firm foundation upon which we can stand. And no no weapons fashioned against you, against us, uh, Lord, because we stand on your firm, firm foundation. So, Lord, as we continue on in worship this morning, as the choir sings, Lord, um, we just know that, that our foundation comes from you because you are our Redeemer. We were lost, now we're found. We were once sinner; You shed your blood for us. You are our Redeemer. And we celebrate that this morning, Lord, as we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. <laughs>
3: Good morning, church. Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 13. Our text will be the book of John this morning. And uh, over the last several weeks, we've been walking through what it looks like to walk closer to God, to know God more intimately and passionately. And I believe if I were to look at any of you face to face right now and ask you, do you want to know God more? I believe most of you, if not all of you in this room today would say, yes, I really want to know God more. So over the last several weeks, what we've been talking about is how we can know God more, how we can be in a closer, intimate, personal relationship with Jesus. And, and it comes through being disciplined, through setting ourselves in the right place in the right mindset, and the right framework where we can grow in likeness to Christ and and grow in relationship with Jesus. So we want to do that, so that means that we've got to bring ourselves into, use a word that's not well-liked in this world today, but we need to be more spiritually disciplined. We need discipline in our bodies. I told you recently, and I've said it many times, there's no athlete that ever arrives at greatness on the playing field of America or any other country without having disciplined themselves and really structured their life around trying to be better at their sport. Now, I think there's something greater than sports in this world. Amen? because yesterday some teams won and some teams lost. And at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter because it's just a ball game. What really matters is this, that we get our life right, that and in the end that we have that, uh, that ultimate relationship with Jesus and that we are right in that relationship and that we know Him and we are walking with Him currently and, and more so as we go into the future. So as we, uh, we look at spiritual disciplines, we've, we've looked at what it means to just really take in the Word of God, bring it into our life. I've hidden Your Word in my heart, O God, that I, I may not sin against You, that we will not live according to God's Word if we do not know God's Word. But we need God's Word in our life. Not only do we need God's Word in our life, we need to have an open conversation with God. When I read God's Word, God's Word speaks to me. And I can speak to God about what God is speaking to me about. And that is a personal relationship through prayer. And all of us have been invited... By the King of kings and the Lord of lords into a conversation with Him every day. And we can do that at any time. What a privilege it is to pray and come before the Father. So as we, uh, we look at that, building that relationship through His Word and through, through the discipline of, of prayer and spending time with God and intimately engaging with God. Not only that, we talked about fasting and setting our lives into a, a place where we're willing to take something out of our life uh, not just for taking it out of our life's sake, but for the, the purpose of focusing our life during those times very very clearly on the Word of God and, and on relationship with God, and spending time with God. And, and I know we're Baptists and, and we like to feast, but God called us to fast. 77 times in the Bible we see the instruction for us, or, or at least the the understanding that it was a practice to fast and spend time fasting before the Lord. So these and and other ways we've talked about and we'll talk about many more are opportunities for us to engage all of these to walk closer in a relationship with God. And I want that for you. As your pastor and and the the under-shepherd of the Lord Jesus Christ leading you in a relationship, I want you to want God more. I want you to be walking in a deeper relationship with Him. I want that for my own life and I want that for you. So today I want to look at what it looks like to serve God and how we can put the discipline of service into our life. And thinking about that, what does it look like to serve God? And and as I thought through the Scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, I can see service from the very beginning to the very end. But the greatest example of service that I have in all of the Word of God was our Lord, our Master Jesus. What a servant leader he was. And and when I think of John 13, it just hones in on what really true servanthood looks like. So I'd ask you to stand with me and let's read God's Word together. John chapter 13. And I want to begin in verse 12 so we can see what God's Word says about how we can serve and how we can implement this in our life. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If then the Lord and teacher washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, Nor is one who has sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Father, thank you for your word. I pray, God, that this morning you would speak into our hearts. God, that every one of us here would hear from you directly. We'd understand what we need to do with our lives so that we can be in greater service to you. I know, Father, you've appointed this time for us. I pray, God, that you'd anoint me as the messenger of your word. To speak truth into the hearts of your people. And Lord, let us walk out of here different than we came. More surrendered, more committed, more desiring of you, more willing to be led by you. Move in our hearts, Father. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. We need to know God through service. And and I I want you to see a few things this morning. To serve God faithfully, we must overcome a battle. What battle is that? Well, well, let me tell you, the battle we must overcome in order to serve God faithfully is the battle of who's the greatest among us. There was a battle that went on among the twelve ordinary men that God called to be the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus prayed, sought these men out. They were living ordinary lives but but different lives. And he brought these men together, and and he led them. He led them through life and all of the situations of life. For three years, he walked with them. But there was a battle that just kind of rose up every now and then in their life. I want to show you that, and and I want to begin in Luke chapter 9. When we look at Luke chapter 9, verse 46, we see where it says this. An argument started among them, this is the disciples, as to which of them might be the greatest. But Jesus, knowing what they were thinking in their heart, took a child and stood him by his side and said to them, Whoever receives this child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For the one who is least among all of you, this is the one who is great. You heard those words. Think about that. For the one who is least among all of you, this is the one who is great. Jesus has given them a, a, a different paradigm. It's a different mental model for them. And, and for us, the one who is least is the greatest. We, we think of the one who is the greatest being the greatest. The one who rises to the top. The one who is the most uh, well-lived and, and has the most uh, stuff. And, and life just seems to be going. That's the one that's great. And, and everybody else is less than and Jesus says the one who is least is the greatest. So he brings a child alongside. and said, don't, don't miss this object lesson. This child is great in the sight of the Lord. So we, we see them. They're arguing there over who is the greatest. It doesn't end there. We, we, it, it culminates and continues. In Luke chapter 22, we see in the 24th verse, it says this. And there arose also a dispute among them as to which one of them Was regarded to be the greatest, or be greatest. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who have authority over them are called benefactors. But it is not this way with you. But the one who is the greatest among you must become like the youngest, and the leader like the servant. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table, or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. So Jesus says, you know, hey, look, we, we can come to this arena and, and we can look around us and we can think this person's the greatest because there are more people serving him. But Jesus says, I'm here and I'm serving. I, I'm the one who's serving. And, and who is the greatest? And, and we have to ask our question, uh, that question to ourselves. Who is the greatest? Is God the greatest or are we the Greatest. And he says, you know, I'm here to serve. It's, it's, it's the same with uh, men and chickens. Let's just get real this morning. If you've ever been around a chicken coop, it doesn't take long. You throw some new chickens into the bunch, they set the pecking order pretty quick. Uh, th- there's going to be one chicken that rises, okay, and one chicken that falls. But they're going to set the pecking order, and, and all in the pen are going to know who is the chief chicken and who is not. And it just happens in there. I was in at a conference one day, and there were several people in the room. I don't remember how many thousand. But a lot of people had gathered together. And Many of them had had really risen to places of great importance in their life. And I'll remember for the rest of my life that keynote speaker that morning. He came in, and he was talking to us. I don't remember much of what he said. He was a good speaker. I do know that. But I remember this statement he made. And it went something like this. He said, "You know, I've come in this room and I've recognized there are many of you who have reached great places in your life." He said, "And you're so proud of yourselves." He said, "I've never seen so many people strut while sitting down." It was so true. I mean, we've we come to a place in life where we can be proud of ourselves. We can we can even strut when we're sitting down, and and they were really he could see it in the room and you could feel it in the room. And that broke the tension because what he was saying is. We're all on equal playing field here. We all serve under the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's Jesus. He's King and I'm not. And we have to understand that and recognize it's so important for us to understand the position of who we are and where we are in life. And, and, and God's telling us this, there's, this great, uh, there's this great argument among us that who's the greatest. And we try to jockey for positions, but what really matters is that we settle that dispute right up front and recognize He is the greatest. That He is King. And we are not. we're not. We're always looking for position, but we're not the only ones in the world looking for position. It was seen among the disciples as well. Rarely do we find people that want to be the least of these. I mean, how many times have you seen somebody run a race and try to win Last. It just doesn't happen. I mean, we're, we're wired in our in our culture. We're wired to win. We're we're wired to lead. We're we're wired to to rise, and everything about this world points in that direction. So what Jesus is saying here is countercultural. It's really difficult for me. It's difficult for you, I'm sure, to recognize that. You know, we we can be least and still rise. In fact, humility would mean us being least and being okay with that. That's very humble. and Instead of trying to be the greatest in that race. So, Jesus was not above serving at every level. And you and I need to recognize the value of serving at any level. Jesus settled the argument clearly here uh, by, by his position. It, it says there in in that twelfth that verse, it says, when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, "Do you know what I have done to you?" My best guess is they probably did not fully understand at that moment what he had done to them. I mean, Jesus had been with them three years. Jesus had had walked with them and he had listened to their arguments. He'd settled their disputes, and they still didn't get it. They still missed it. But Jesus. Settled the record right there. He he was speaking to them what John captured earlier in this book in John three thirty. He wanted to be the heart of all of them, but they weren't quite there yet. In John three thirty, we see the scripture says he must increase, I must decrease. It's that position of recognizing the authority of God and coming under that, surrendering to His authority, submitting to Him. As Lord. And, uh, he, he, he wanted them to get it. They, they just had not quite gotten there yet. Matthew chapter 23, verse 11, gives us a little greater understanding. It says, But the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. So he's, he's helping them understand that if you'll just humble yourself, I'll raise you up. And there's no better person to raise you up. The whole world can lift you on a pedestal. But unless God lifts you on a pedestal, it really doesn't matter. Amen? He's saying, if you'll humble yourselves, I'll exalt you. But if you exalt yourself, I'll humble you. That's, that's eye-opening, isn't it? Anybody want to be humbled by God? Want to sign up for that class? We have a sign-up sheet right now. If you want to sign up to be humbled, God, God will humble you. If you'll exalt yourself, He'll humble you. But if you'll humble yourself, He'll exalt you. And it's clear what Scripture's telling us there. Jesus willingly took the position of a servant before them all that night. It, it just think with me. There's a room with 13 men in it. 13 men came together. They traveled all day. And their feet were nasty. They'd been walking on the dirt streets. They were dirty. And they came and they gathered around this table and they reclined together. And in that moment of their reclining around that table, everybody had dirty feet. One of two things happened either they didn't think about it or they didn't think it was their responsibility to do anything about it. And I would gather from the conversation, the context of how things worked out, it was probably the latter. That they sat there around that table that evening. Other guys looking at other guys wondering who was going to wash their feet. Not ever thinking that they could wash their feet or they could wash everybody's feet. So Jesus did what would be unthinkable for the leader, the, the person of the highest position of the room. He, he took off his outer clothing. He girded himself with a towel and got a water basin. He bowed down and he washed their feet. And he did it willing and lovingly. He washed their feet. As I think about that, that's, that's really eye-opening to me. The King of kings and the Lord of lords took that position before them. But isn't it so true of the way Jesus has served humanity from the very beginning to the very utter end? He has looked upon us and He has taken Himself to not be an account. And He left heaven for you and me. In our sinful state, He stepped out of heaven. He came down to this earth. He died a criminal's death. A death that you and I deserve for the sin and the shame that we have lived out. The sinless Son of God became the final atonement for our sin. Wow. What a God we serve. Amen? So we see in this text that, that Jesus didn't, didn't count himself to be too good to do it. He, he, he understood the principle of service. And I want, I want to understand a little bit more about that because Jesus was not too good to wash someone else's feet. And I've got, I've got to grasp that a little bit better in my life. So I want to back up to the first verse of this 13th chapter and get a little more context. It says there, now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, and he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I want to pause there and and, and think through that. Now this is Jesus who knew that his hour had come. He was coming to the end of his life. And Jesus, coming to the end of his life, knew where he was going. He was going to the Father. He knew from where he came. He knew where he was going. He knew the position he held. And you say, what position did he hold? Well, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in John 1, 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. But he was God. There was nothing in this world that wasn't created, that hasn't been created, that he was not a part of. So he was a part of everything in creation. This is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, God in himself, the creator of all things. He knew where he came from. He knew where he was going and he knew why he came. He came out of the great love for the crown of his creation. He loved the people and he came for them because they couldn't do it on their own. He looked upon my life. He looked upon your life and every life that's ever been lived said they're helpless. They're broken and they can't save themselves because they're dead. We are dead in our trespasses and sin, Scripture tells us. But He came to give us life more abundantly. Through resurrecting us from the dead, covering our sin, and being the atonement for that, He brings us to new life. So here we have have this Jesus who knew where He came from, knew where He was going. He was returning to the Father. He knew His hour had come. He knew this was His last moments on earth. And He loved them. So why did He serve them? Because he loved them. He loved them, and it says to the end. And he didn't just love some of them. If, If we continue reading there, During the supper, or during supper, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from supper and laid aside his garments and taking a towel, he girded himself. So we see here that Jesus not only knew where he was going and where he came from, not only did he love them all to the end, but he even served them all. He he girded himself with a towel and he got down on his knees and he washed the very feet of the betrayer who would betray him. Judas was in the room. And Jesus didn't look at Judas and say, you're not worthy. He could have. All things were given into his hand. Jesus could have just said, Judas, get out of here. You betrayer. I'm fixing to deal with the men that love me. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus looked at Judas and he said, man, one more. One more act of kindness. One more act of love. I think of Cain and Abel. You know, here's Cain. He has in his heart. To kill Abel. What did God do? The moments before Cain killed Abel? He went to Cain. And we can read this in the first part of Genesis where he says these words to Cain. Cain, Cain, why is your countenance fallen? Sin is crouching at your door. You must master it. God looked at Cain knowing what Cain's intent and heart was. And knowing that, he was going to, he wanted to act it out. Knowing he was going to act it out, God looked at him and said, Cain, dude, sin's at your door. It's coming after you. You've got to rise up right here and you've got to lord over that sin and turn to me. Or you're going to wind up becoming victim to it. And what did he do? He didn't master it. Judas, man, I'm washing your feet. Dude, I'm serving you to the greatest degree. The Creator, Master of all, is willing to stoop to the lowest level that's known in this room right now to wash your feet and show you my love. Wow. What a God we serve. He loved them all to the very end. He loves us all to the very end. Lovingly reaching, seeking, searching, calling, drawing, giving you an opportunity and me an opportunity to walk in relationship with Him. What a God we serve. He got up and He served the people. So out of love, He served them all, knowing full well His high position. He did not let that get in the way of Him serving people. Newsflash, for me and for you, knowing our high position that should never, ever hinder us serving someone at any level. There's no level too low for us to love and serve. So so we see that laid out before us. The first battle, the first step we have to engage to truly accomplish being a good servant, a good steward, and a good servant of the Lord, would be to recognize who's the greatest. Not me, not you, but him. And not battle over the position of greatness. We've got to win that battle. And and, and not consider ourselves better than anyone, but able to serve anyone. That's what we've got to come to. The second thing we see in our text this morning in chapter 13 is that, To serve God, we must recognize service makes us more like Christ. It really does. Serving God makes us more like God. Look look at verse 14. He says, If I then, the Lord and teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should do as I did to you. So Jesus gives an operative example right here, helping them understand, hey, this is how I serve, and if you want to be like me, then you need to serve in the same way that I've served you. You call me Lord, and He is truly Lord. He is Lord over all things. His, his... Lordship wasn't established by humanity. His lordship was established when he created humanity. So he created humans so he can be lord over humans. And he, he positioned himself to serve humans. So he is lord. He is lord to them in, in creation. He was lord to them on the cross at Calvary. And he'll be lord to us and all for all of eternity. His position of lordship is not in question. It's not up for debate. He is lord. Regardless of whether I agree with that or you agree with that, he is Lord. So, that, that's been established. And they say, he said, you call me Lord and teacher. Was he a teacher? Amen, he was a teacher. He taught the whole time he was on the earth. Every time he was with a crowd. Every time he was with his disciples. Every time he was with Peter, James, and John. Every time he went away and just prayed with God, he was teaching. Everything Jesus did, he taught. He taught us so much about Relationships. God really cares about relationships. We were in a small group a moment ago, and we were talking about unity within the body of believers. Oh, yes, we should have unity. Why? Because we've been saved by grace through fight, faith in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, and 10 tell us that we've been saved by grace. By the work of God, not the work of us, but He saved us. And he, we're called into the family. And we're under one name. We're, we're under the name of Christ. There's one Lord, one baptism, one faith. There, there's one, 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 one. And, and we come together in unity under that together. So we unify. And, and, and as we come together in unity, we recognize that we're His, and, and, and He's Lord, and He's taught us so much about that. He, he taught the guys everywhere He went how much how valuable the relationship with God was, how, how valuable it was to, to live with one another. He, he did that when He was with Peter, James, and John. He did it when He was with the Twelve. He did it when He was with the masses. But He taught so much about relationship and unity in that relationship. He taught so much about love. Oh, he was a what a great lover! God, God is and, and, and was on earth when he displayed that before the people that he was with. He he wept at, at at the death of people, but he loved in such a way that he healed people and 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 he just loved, loved, loved in everything he did. Not only that, but we see he forgave. He was such a teacher about forgiveness. He taught me. And he teaches you so much about forgiveness. Yes, other people are gonna do you wrong. Other people are gonna let you down. It's going to happen. And when it does, do what I did for you, forgive them, and move on. Okay, let it go, or it'll bind you up and it'll it'll hold you back from being the person that I created you to be. So forgive. Be a forgiver. He's taught us so much. He's, a, he's Lord and He's Teacher. And we see that here. He says, if I'm Lord and Teacher, and I am. You call me that and I am. I am truly Lord. I am truly the Teacher. I gave you an example. Do like I did. So He, he wants us to understand that example is, is right before us to, to be accomplished. And, and He serves. He serves others. Jesus served others. And He served with no boundaries. Jesus stated, to see me is to see the Father. So Jesus, uh, to follow that example, he's following the example of the Father. He knows what God wants displayed before humanity, so he follows that example. If we follow his example, we look more like him. So the ultimate goal is that we would look more like Jesus. But there's a reality here. Here, Here's here's the problem. We want to look more like Jesus. And as Christians, we should. Because we're called to be Christ-like. But there's this battle that goes on, ladies and gentlemen, and you know about it. It's the battle between the flesh and the spirit. Anybody ever battled that battle? I have. If you're a Christian, you battled that. You've battled between the flesh and the spirit. And Galatians speaks clearly to this. So the world around us is encouraging us one way, but the spirit of God is encouraging us another way. And if we look at Galatians chapter 5 and we begin reading in verse 13, we see where it says this. For you are called to be, or to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. Do you get that? The operative word, serve one another. Through love, serve one another. Because we're free to do that. Verse 14 says, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you, do, you are not consumed by one another. Verse 16 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. There is a real war being waged in our life. And God wants us to win over the flesh. But the Spirit is after the flesh, and the flesh is after the Spirit. And we have to bring our flesh under submission to the Spirit of God. And and, and the only way we'll ever really serve the way God wants us to serve... It's to be like God. And we can't be like God if the flesh is winning and the world is winning in our life. We have to let the Spirit win in our life. We have to seek the Spirit and His guidance and be led by Him. So the more we serve ourselves, church, the more we become like the world. But the more we serve Jesus and others, the more we become like Him. Because Jesus didn't serve Himself, did He? He said, I came to serve, not be served. John got it. John 3.30. I must decrease. He must increase. I've got to increase Christ in my life, not me in my life. I've got to serve others and Christ, not serve myself. But if we're really clear with one another today, and you're honest, and I'm honest, we are bombarded moment by moment, daily, by please me, Fill me, serve me. Am I wrong? That's that's what I feel in this world. The whole world points to me being about me. You take care of yourself, I'm worried about me. And, And God's saying, no, 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 no. Jesus didn't live like that. If we want to be like Jesus, we need to take control of the flesh and its desires. And the things of this world which tend to pull for those desires. And we need to seek the Spirit. And let the Spirit rule our life. And be led by the Word of God, the will of God, the way of God, to do the work of God. Serving God and His people. So, uh, as we serve others, we're more like Christ. And how do we serve them? How should we serve them? Should I just do anything? No, God's appointed you a gift. Every Christian has been given a gift or gifts. And we're to operate within those gifts. When we operate within those gifts, we operate at our best. So God's gifted you in a certain way, and He's brought the body of believers together to where your gift really matters. and, And you can use your gift to serve others. And everybody should seek to understand that gift and serve out of their gifting. So, I've unpacked for you a couple of things so far. So, let's just recap here just for a brief second. We've, we've got to overcome that battle of who's the greatest. It's not me, it's not you, it's Him. And we need to quit jockeying for position and be willing to serve anywhere God wants us to serve, to do anything God wants us to do. And there's no task too menial for me. Not only that, but I have got to come to the place Where it means more to me to serve Jesus than it does to serve me, because the more I serve Jesus, the more I look like Him. The more I serve me, the more I look like the world. So I need to look less like the world in my life and more like Jesus. That's what Jesus is telling. He said, "I gave you an example, guys. Get up, get up from your comfortable seat. Get down there and wash some feet." Leaders need to be willing to do whatever. Is put before them. There's no, no task too, too small, too insignificant, too under the radar. A lot of times we want to serve where everybody sees what we do and can applaud us. And where the spotlight's the greatest, that's where we want to serve, right? What would you do for Jesus' sake that nobody ever saw? I think that measures the true heart of service. The third thing is to serve God, we must seek out the opportunity. Not sit back and wait on someone to come to us. I Just remember the setting. i got to bring this out to you. There's 13 men sitting in a room. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords gets up and washes feet. The rest of them sat there waiting on somebody to do it. I'm assuming, that's that's not always the best to do, but from what what I've got, the information I've got from the text, that they probably thought they were too good to wash somebody else's feet. And they were probably waiting on a servant to come in and do that. And he did. Jesus did that. The disciples sat there and waited. And, And I think a lot of people miss opportunities because they're waiting on someone else. I think there are a lot of missed opportunities of service in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ because everybody's waiting on somebody else to do it. Now, God sent Jesus to serve, right? God sent him to this world. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the triune nature of the Godhead were in operative mode from creation on. And God sent Jesus, God the Son, to this earth. Birthed Him as a baby through a virgin. Raised Him sinless to be the sinless Son of God. The spotless Lamb that can cover our sin. He sent Him here. And He did what He was called to do. And while He was here, He taught and He loved and He led. And He's still leading today. Now, Jesus didn't sit back and wait for opportunities to come to him. Okay? I want you to see that. Jesus led out in, in, in the example way to show us how to do this. Jesus actively served others throughout his entire ministry. And, and we know that he came to do that. So many people, I believe, miss it right here. We say we want to be like Christ, yet we had much rather be served than we had served. Did you hear me, church? Because I think, I think that's us. That's where we are. Many people miss it right here. Instead of being a servant, they want to be served. And we live in that environment. I've, I've said it. I'll say it again and again and again. We are so about me that we want to be served. We have this yearning because of culture to want to be served. You serve me, and then I'm happy. And the more people i got serving me, the happier I am. And that is so opposite from the call of Christ. When he says, no, you get up and serve. You serve. And don't wait for someone to come to you with a service opportunity. Look at your gift and find a place to put it to play. I so remember an illustration, and I don't remember the years, and y'all will send me, somebody will send me the illustration. I've already got it on my computer. Thank you. But um, I just can't remember the football years that it happened and the teams that were at play that day. But there was a guy sitting on the sidelines, and there was a guy running it, and he was on the home stretch going for the, end, uh, for going for the goal. He was going to cross into that end zone. He was going to make a touchdown. That boy couldn't stand it. He come off the bench and tackled him as he ran by. Sometimes, you know, you just got to get off the bench, folks. You sit on the bench. You sit so well. And you just soak it all in. And, and you sit, soak, and sour. Okay? You've got to get off the bench and get in the game. And that's what God's calling us to. There's a task that God created for you. Every one of you. And you're valuable. We're all valuable. And we just, we just got to get in the game and serve. I, I tell you, I want it to be so uncomfortable to come to First Baptist Church, Cookville, Tennessee, and sit. I really don't want you to be comfortable doing that. There are people here that are serving like, I mean, warriors. They're they're serving all the time, and I'm so grateful. I'm telling you, there was over 200 people this morning that served on a regular Sunday. Now, Now, this is the Sunday that's in between two weeks of our fall break, so I know I've got more people on the road than I do in the pews this morning. I recognize that. But on a normal Sunday in Cookville, Tennessee, there's there's like 200 and something people serving in this church. Be it a greeter team ministry, be it rocking babies in the nursery or or teaching Sunday school, running and leading in the children's ministry, Uh, whatever it could be, deacons, greeters, security, whatever it is. They're valuable places of service and people have found their way into those places of service. And I am so grateful for that number of people that serve. But what breaks my heart is there are people who have never served. They just come sit and soak and sour. And I don't want it to be comfortable for you to do that. I love you, and I love you enough as the the under-shepherd of the Lord Jesus Christ to shepherd you enough to say, let's get up and get at it, okay? Find a place to serve. Find somewhere to serve right here. You say, well, Scott, I just, I don't know, my gift is not to, to do this or that or the things you've mentioned. Okay, there's somewhere here, I promise you, you can serve. And, and if you sit back and wait for somebody to ask you to do it, you'll, you might not get that invitation. But if you jump in the game and you just get off the bench and start serving, you'll find fulfillment in life and you'll be more like Christ as you do that. And I want you to understand, all the service opportunities don't rest within these walls. There are so many opportunities in this community to serve people. You can serve seven days a week, and as a, as a Christian called of God, it should be our heart to serve all the time. We should find a place every day to serve somebody. There's so many opportunities for us to serve. There, there are ministries, hope, we mentioned, we mentioned hope today, and, and that's our, our pray, give, go this month, and, and hope has plenty of places for you to serve. And you say, well, I I don't, that's not my ministry. Okay, well, the the couple pregnancy clinic, I can go serve there. That's not my ministry. Okay, there's recreation ministry in this community. There's so many things that you can do. I, I could just list all day long the opportunities for you to find a place to serve. But if we want to be like Christ and we can overcome the battle of who's the greatest and say, I'm the least of these, just let me serve, we'll find a place somewhere in ministry to serve. Whether it be in these walls or it be outside of these walls. And we won't do it for the applause of man. We'll do it for the glory of God. That's what we need to do, church. To be like Jesus and serve. I'm telling you, if the King of kings and the Lord of lords didn't count His greatness before 12 men He loved, and He took a cloth and He washed their feet, you and I can wash some feet. We can wash some
4: feet, church.
3: And, and the final scripture here is that is it brings it all together. You know, God, was, God sent him to do that. I said that a moment ago. God sent Jesus to do this. Jesus sent us. Matthew 28. Go therefore into all nations. <laughs> I mean, unapologetically, Jesus called you. To go to service. Do something, he says. Don't sit around. Do something. I created you, gifted you, and and now I've given you the opportunity to go do something. Not for your glory, but for mine. And the kingdom growth, go do it. So he calls us. He commissions us into service. And, And every person has a place to serve. These last words, verse 17 says this. If you know these things, you are blessed. Boy, if the period was right there, that would be okay. But the period isn't there. That's not the end of the sentence. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. It's not what you know, it's what you do that matters. I know what to do. Serve. I've got a great model, Jesus. He's my Lord and my Master. I want to serve. Church, I want to serve with you. I want us to lead in serving this community in ways that we may not even understand right now. And I can't chart a list for you to sign up for at the end of this service. But if we go before the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the giver of all gifts and the caller of us all into service, he'll lead us to do what he's called us to do if we'll be surrendered to him. So let me ask you this morning, what are you going to do? Are you going to serve Jesus? Do you really want to serve Him? The first step in serving Christ is to have Him as Lord of your life. If you don't know Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, today is the day of salvation. All you have to do is say, Lord, I'm a sinner and I've lived apart from your will for my life. I can't serve you effectively because I'm not saved. But today I want to get saved. I want to give you my life. I I want to be gloriously changed. I want to be transformed. I want to be saved. And I want to know you as Lord and teacher of my life. So, Lord, save me today. He says, all that call upon him shall be saved. You can be saved today, right here, right now. We'll rejoice with you as a church. There's nothing greater than that. But also, you can be sitting here today and say, I'm saved. I just, I'm just not serving effectively. Lord, where do you want me to serve? You start getting right with God and real with God today. Say, Lord, where do you want me to serve? Maybe the first step of service is to join this church. Say, this is where I want to plant my life, to be taught, be led, and be sent to serve. And if that be the case, we want to rejoice with you in that today. Whatever God's doing in your life today, we want to, we want to welcome that. We want to, we want to talk about that. We want to be here for you. We want to see that happen because God doesn't spread a word among us without expecting us. To respond to that word. So if you will stand with me. We'll respond in our time of invitation this morning. You're welcome to come to the altars and pray. You're welcome to come and talk to a minister. Whatever God leads you to do, you do today faithfully. Father, we love you and we praise you. Move in our hearts. We'll give you the honor, praise, and the glory for all you do here. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You move as God leads.
4: Lord Jesus, uh, we come before you today thanking you for giving us the privilege of worshiping you and thanking you for what you did for us. Your word is so filled with paradoxes that the one who is greatest is the one who will be least and the one who will be exalted is the one who humbles himself. The world doesn't see it that way, Lord, but but, uh, when we see things the way you see them, we see them the way they really are. And that's our prayer today, that you will help us to look for opportunities to serve others. When we think of you, the creator of the universe, bowing down and washing your disciples' dirty, filthy feet, what an example for us to, to do likewise. One of the ways we serve you, Lord, is to give back some of what you've given us. And today we do that with a cheerful heart. We ask that you would use these gifts for your kingdom's work, that souls would be saved. We pray for our missionaries wherever they are, Lord, that you would bless them, protect them, and bring fruit to their work. And we ask you, Lord, to forgive us of our sin where we fail you. We thank you and praise you in the name of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.